What is the difference between being punk and being a punk? We are here to talk some punk rock, some music comics. Punk culture, DIY shit, anything we want to talk about. That's, that's what fascinates me. Give me everything. Absolutely everything. I find that, that music and comics have always been intertwined. Muxbound. Chicks okay. dig it. Don't worry. <laughs> Hey, we're back. Uh, episode 11, I think. We're never sure on our count. There's not that many. We'll probably figure that out at some point. But Another week, another podcast. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I'm Eric. I got Ben with me. And today joining us, we have Jason from Rebel Force. Um, Jason, you want to introduce yourself? Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, my name's Jason, and uh, I'm actually... Uh, I just recently met Ben and he asked me to be on the podcast and that was actually the first time I saw that intro, that like whole countdown thing was like, it was like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? A little intense. <laughs> a, little intense. <laughs> a little intense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I run a marketing agency and uh, also have been involved in the you know, punk rock scene and music stuff for like my entire life uh, back in my stomping grounds of Sudbury, Ontario. It's about four hours North of Toronto. Yeah, Sudbury's got kind of a legendary reputation with uh, punk rock, but also just like local music in general. They have a really like uh, a good reputation for like a like a furious and, and energetic scene there. Um, but uh, it doesn't get a lot of like attention from media, you know, like most cool small towns. It reminds me a lot of like Seattle back in the 90s where okay. it seemed like nothing was going on. And then everybody started going to Seattle going, holy shit, what have you guys been doing? So, yeah, it's kind of a similar scene, I think. Yeah, you know, actually, it's not the first time I've heard someone make that comparison. And it's just uh, a lot of, like, undiscovered gems down up there. Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a fixture for, like, any local, uh, like, heavy bands that uh, want to make the Ontario run. They'll definitely have to hit Sudbury. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, if you're going west or east, anywhere in Canada, like, you have to, you have to drive through Sudbury. And then the odds are you'll end up playing this um, – legendary venue called the townhouse and that's that's like kind of like uh, uh i would compare it to like the horseshoe here in, in toronto it's like mm-hmm. uh, just one of those venues that it almost doesn't matter who's playing you show up there's gonna be it's gonna be packed it's gonna be awesome yeah, so that's uh, it's one of those spots yeah so how did you get did you get involved in the scene or was the scene just kind of something that was always there uh well i mean it was been there like far before i got into it but i got into it when i was uh i guess about like 14 years old and i, I don't know how i even heard about this we went to this place it was called delky dozy so it was basically a park and you know how you have those like little shacks in some of those parks like and yeah it might have been like a capacity of like a hundred people in that building and there was fucking 400 kids jammed into this place like all local bands, just like punk rock bands. And, and as soon as I experienced that, I was like, okay, I need to be a part of this. I need to figure out like, how do I do this? And uh, my first goal was like, you know, as like that 14 year old kid, like it would be so cool just to play one show, one show. And then eventually started meeting people. And then before you knew it, kind of started putting on all the shows back then. Then like, like, very like, cool. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, 
that whole passing of the torch thing, like the, the older generation passed it to me and then one of my good buddies, Kev, and, and we just started doing all the shows. And then eventually we passed that torch on to the, the next generation kind of thing. It's, it's, it's fun. Very cool. Very cool. So who was it that passed the torch to you? Like, do you remember who was kind of like the, uh, the, the big names on the scene at the time that were kind of organizing everything? What was the time, by the way? So this is yeah. like, like when I started doing this was like uh, um, late, late 90s, early 2000s was like That's such a fun time, like a five year period in that time. I, I, by the time I was putting on shows, I was in probably grade 10 until like pretty much college and then kind of start, everyone started doing their own thing. And it was just kind of became a little different. But uh, mm-hmm. I remember there's this girl named Amy. I can't remember anyone from Sudbury that's my age right now is yelling at me like I don't remember this girl's name but Amy was one of them and there's a couple of people that put on the shows it was uh um but yeah then it was me and my, my buddy Kevin Mason and we just started doing all all the fucking shows like like you know like trying to think of all the bands like like we had like Propagandi face to face like all, all, all those like amazing punk rock bands and so many local shows like just we used to always do this one every year. Um, we call it the fuck school show. It was always like at the end of at, at the end of the school year, and and uh, I remember getting in a lot of trouble for putting posters everywhere. Like, <laughs> I would make all these posters, like literally, like you know, cut out letters from magazines. Like so I didn't have a, I actually didn't have a computer or a printer or anything like that or any sort of software to do this stuff so we had to do it or just draw it out and go to like staples and like make a whole bunch of copies of them and just we'd give them out to all the kids and like we'd all like pass them around and then uh there was a big thing at at a bunch of the schools because we had all these fuck school show posters going around and then we're not a a fan of that (laughs) (laughs) so um like in terms of how to organize a show in a local uh, scene like that like how do you coordinate especially like if you're going to get a band like propagandi it's like how do you get in touch how do you like do they already know about the sudbury scene or do you have to kind of yeah, like yeah. get so, them acquainted so like i said sudbury's in this spot that that it's like it's not like in a bigger city like toronto or like people are probably actually going to have to fight to get that show it's right. like we just kind of had a network we just ended up building up a network of like bands and and, and contacts and, and and our contacts were given so basically like let's just say theoretically propagandi tried to get a hold of this amy girl who used to do the shows she's like oh i don't do it anymore call like like jason or kevin they'll they'll take care of you and then, uh, right. then our numbers were given and then that's that's how it all worked right so um, it's just very organic then, i mean like yeah well i mean that this was this was pre-social media Sure. We, like really like internet was a thing but not everyone had it it wasn't the same yeah. as it is now like 100 dating myself right now but yeah it was uh it was it was just a different thing and then like with i would have to go to the venues book the venues book the sound guy book the security like there was a few of us that would like all kind of take that responsibility and working the doors and then i, I would always end up playing these shows too so i was like yeah it was just uh it was a lot of work, but it was so much, it was so much fun. And, and what I find super funny about what I do now. So like I ended up getting into marketing and like owning a design agency and it's uh, I didn't realize it at the time. That's exactly what I was doing. Like I was, I was doing design, I was yeah. doing marketing, I was doing all this stuff, it, but I wasn't looking at it. I was just like, oh, I just want to put on shows and get people out. And that's, that was it, you know? 
Yeah, and I kind yeah. of have a similar background in a smaller scale. I would make flyers and I would make album covers for bands and stuff. And then I ended up working in marketing and now I do video productions and marketing. <laughs> like, it's, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's cool. Like to eventually find like your path through doing something that you love. Like so few people have that privilege. Um, yeah, yeah. I know I feel super blessed about it too. It's, uh, you know, when, when I went to go to school, I wanted to go actually take that, uh, it was a Fanshawe, there was a program called like uh, Music Industry Arts. Mm. And uh, I got into the program, but then got into a big fight with my parents because my the music title was in there. They're like, no, 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 you shouldn't do that. And they're like, you should take graphic design because it's computers. They just thought it was computers, right? Right. So, right. Yeah. Computers. Like, like, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I'm... And then just luckily I fell in love with it. So that's, uh, yeah, I was super, super blessed about that. Hold on mm. a second. Yeah. yeah there's um something interesting about punk rock in particular there's a bit of um like they like to keep it a secret you know and that's see it's so i always find it fascinating when i meet people who like are involved in promotion and marketing but have this sort of like punk rock ethos because uh superficially like if you didn't if you didn't go to regular punk shows and get to know people, it would seem like it's sort of like this little secret group. Like there's even uh, uh, you know, a band that I really enjoy here in Toronto named Gaijin Smash, and they have a show uh, at a skate park, but uh, they don't advertise the skate park because they don't want people to find out where it is. So they have this ask a punk attitude towards it where you have to find somebody that knows about it and then they'll tell you where to go. Um, and uh, that also is its own kind of marketing strategy. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about like guerrilla marketing or, or if that's even a thing or like, like how to teams. approach well, promotion a lot of experience with street teams back then too. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean like that, that's how we did it back then. It was, it was exactly like that. Like we'd flyers on posts, giving people flyers here, hand out 10 of these, you know, like uh, we'd, we'd give a few people like, like free entry into the shows just to like, tell all their friends and do all that. And like, or like to like flyer up their schools. Cause like, you know, like, I, only went to one of the schools and then so we had to get all of them and it was uh yeah that, that's exactly what it was it was all just word of mouth and and, and that's still 100 percent a valid way of doing marketing and doing getting that word out there because like there's so many channels and there's so much noise out there that sometimes those old school ways still are the best yeah for sure what do you think the uh the pros and cons of of uh the new way of marketing um, like, how do you think that affects the music scene in particular? Oh, that's, that's an interesting question. And like, I thought, I thought about that a lot. Like recently it's like, it's, it's exactly there's pros and cons. It's like on one end you could break out. You could like, there are a lot less limiters. There's a lot less middlemen trying to stop you from releasing music and, and, and getting the word out. But mm. on the flip side, everyone's doing that now so now there's a lot more noise so before there was like a filter right and so you had to get past those filters in order to get any sort of success and, and now those filters aren't there so now the filters are just breaking through the noise doing something different doing something that stands out somehow and you know that that could be done in many ways but like it's uh it's tricky it's tricky it has its own challenges now it's different challenges mm-hmm mm-hmm it seems like uh, the the crowd element, like having that community element might be the decider for both, right? So like back in the day, it yeah. had to be street teams. You had to have friends just to get the job done. 
But now it's almost like if you're trying to do it yourself, if you're trying to market something yourself, technically you can, but it you end up being just one of a million people screaming into the whirlwind, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and, and the only way the only way to really cut through that is just to, to build up like your, your social channels to so build up like, you know, like your Instagram, your TikTok. like uh, TikTok's perfect for music right now. Like it's, it's actually yeah. incredible for it. And, you know, the funny thing about doing what I do is, is, is I can give all this advice, but I don't always take my own advice. Like doing this for myself is a different thing than, than telling other people to do it, which I find right. really funny, but uh, uh, it's been my experience too. <laughs> but that being said, I think, you know, the number one thing, like any business band, especially bands that the mistakes that they make on their social is they start doing something like, come to my show, come to my show, listen to my music, do this. Like, you know, like always asking, asking, asking. It's kind of almost coming across like ads and that kind of thing. And, and that's, yeah. when you think about what you follow on social, like it's not that. You're going to follow things that you find interesting, that you find entertaining, that you're going to learn something from. So it's like, you know, always being like, oh, check out our music, check out our music, or check out our show. Like you could, of course you have to do some of that stuff, but it, it's way cooler to like, you know, say follow a band and like, hey, we're just going to do our band practice here. Come, come, come with us to come check it out or something yeah. like that. Or like a business just being like, you know what? Like, I'm going to give you, give away some secrets or, or whatever. This is, this is how you do things. And like you give people value or, or entertain them or give them a reason to, to be there. And, and uh, one band I found that did amazing like years ago, I don't know. They haven't really been doing quite as much because they're, they're huge now, but uh, you guys know Portugal, the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so, so I've been following them since like oh my god like years and years years ago like I discovered them because I went to go see this band called Minus the Bear. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know Minus the Bear. Yeah, 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 Minus the Bear is like one of my favorite bands of all time. Um and uh they were opening, at least they were supposed to open for Minus the Bear and their their van broke down. So I didn't get to see them, so that would have been such a wow. awesome show of both of them, but I was like, who's this? Every time I go see a like a show, I'll, I'll always do my research on who's playing. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna check everything out. And I checked out this band. I was like, holy fuck, this is amazing. And uh, I started following all their stuff. And they would do like full on acoustic sets. They'd do like remixes of their songs. They're like, they'll do things where like you know they're playing their songs like on acoustic in the middle of a street somewhere, doing like they did all kinds of stuff. And it was like one of my favorite accounts to follow from any band I followed and, and because there's just so much content. It was all cool stuff. It wasn't just like just promo videos and shit like that. And then, then I, I think that's a lesson that's still true now. Right. Like, yeah. One of my favorite things to follow is uh, bands that do like, um, like the dirty nil uh, regularly yeah. do and, and crown lens. They both, they both do breakdowns of their songs, like certain riffs or certain beats uh, that they want to explore. And then they show you how they do it. Oh, like yeah, how it, amazing. Like, where the influence came from, that kind of shit. I love that stuff. Yeah. I, I love that stuff too. And it's uh, another one. I, I saw some interesting stuff was every time I die, had this whole thing about they're going over all their equipment, like their pedals their amps, like all their shit. And it's like, yeah. you know, these are the tones and then like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, don't turn your gain up too much. It's heavier with less gain. And it's like, uh, that's yeah, another fun, fun thing to learn, too. It's a, I remember yeah. when I was younger, just being like, you know, I want all the distortion, throw it all up to like, you know, 100% plus a distortion pedal on top of that. And it's like, you get that really tinny sound. And then whenever you do a clean part, it sounds all big. And then you click on the button, it goes clonk, it goes 
<laughs> like it's like absolute trash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's something to be like, I don't know, man, especially now at my age. I just, I wish I could go back and just grab the younger me and just be like, take your time. It's worth taking your time. Just like slowly but surely work your, work your, your knobs. You know, like I, when I started playing drums, it was like as fast as possible, as hard as possible. I just wanted to like master it. And now I realize like there's no mastering this shit. Like really what I'm doing is I'm figuring out what I want to sound like. You see so, that with, um, with most bands too, when you get pull out like a album that they did in like 92 and throw it on and they pull out one they did like five years ago. And like, you could just see like the recording. And it's not even like the, they recorded on better stuff. It's just that they, they aren't doing some of that stuff that. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. They trust that. themselves more. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, when so, you're young, you have you have something to prove, right? So, like, you're like, oh, yeah. I'm going to be the best band, I'm going to be the best drummer, I'm going to be the best guitar player. And it's like, you know what? You're probably not. Let's <laughs> be real. You can still be amazing and you can still do super creative stuff. But, like, that idea that you're going to be, like, the best one, it's like you, you hold on to that until you realize that, okay, maybe that's not the best goal. <laughs> yeah. I think I figured it out pretty early. I kind of, like, I looked at all the greats, the people that I admired, and I was like, they got discovered before they hit 25. So if I, mean, I that, haven't got it by 25, it's like probably not me. I mean, I don't think that's always true though. I think, I think that's fair. Like people that, that get discovered like that, it's like, you know, there, there's, it's, it's luck in the sense that it's like, they're prepared, they're ready, they're good. And they happen to get discovered being all those things. Right. There's a lot of people out there. I know people that are fucking ridiculous 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 musicians and then they, they haven't really made it big yet or whatever it's just they just whatever happens like just, things didn't line up you know what i mean the, things didn't line up exactly yeah. right and the beautiful thing about music is it could really happen at any time especially now it's not the same as it was years ago where it's like 25 and you're done i, I don't feel like it's that way anymore I meant more as a virtuoso, you know what I mean? Like being known as like one of the greatest in your instrument, but yeah, like making it music. Yeah, definitely the doors have opened, but like you said, it's now you're competing with everyone. It's a totally different world. You know, I like, I remember, I remember the shift from when um, there was like five or six bands that would show up to a practice on a Saturday and getting on a bus and seeing everyone has a guitar or a pair of drumsticks. And it was just a matter of a few years. And all of a sudden, everybody, like, it was like the, the floodgates open. Yeah. And everybody was going to want it in on it. And um, I was wondering if you could speak to, like, how that shift, did that affect your scene in the same way that it did mine? Because uh, it felt like, um, it felt like, like, showgoers kind of reduced because everybody was trying to be on stage rather than just be at the show. And I feel like that might've had a negative impact in a certain way. But then I also think more musicians is better. Right. So it's hard to say. Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean like, I don't know if that's the reason why, but I definitely noticed like things were like when I was in high school, for example, and going to like my first few punk shows, if there was, if I put on a show, say just a local show, if like less than 400 people showed up to a show, I was like, oh, it's a disaster. What the hell? No one showed up. Now it's it's not like that anymore. It's it's uh, and I think maybe like just, just so much more entertainment. People have access to so much more that maybe that's not 
the same and, and it's different in a smaller town too like like in a smaller city mm-hmm. like Sudbury's about like a little less than 200,000 people so it's like not as much to do right so so you got that right but now there it seems like maybe there's more options i don't know what i don't know what it is but but um still do get those shows that are just massive and huge and like it does still happen but it's 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 sure. not as i felt i feel like it's not as much and and you could be right it could be because of that um I also kind of feel like with a lot of bands, like, like, yeah, there's a lot more out there, but if we're being perfectly honest, there, there's a lot of not so great stuff out there too, right? There's stuff that people, you know, they're trying, they're trying to do their thing, but it's like the, the amount of bands that are excellent and that are actually have the work ethic and they're going out and they're touring and they're doing all the things like those ones will always end up. I, I I feel like most of them will always end up rising to the top because they're actually putting the work in, right? Right. Um, I like yeah. to, I like to believe that anyway. I mean, I mean, that might be a naive thing to believe, but I I'm inclined to agree. I really feel like um, in any craft that you want to practice, what you really need to do is do it as often as possible. And so, like, whether that's to ten people or a thousand people, it doesn't really make a difference as long as you're putting as long as you're trying to put on your best show or like, you know, play your instrument to the best of your ability. And then playing, like this was my experience was like, when I first started playing, I didn't really know how to be in a band, you know? That was its own skill to learn. And then once I got good at being a drummer in a band, then I could focus on mastering my instrument. And then once I got good at that, then it was just like, I would play shows and people would be like, we should jam. And then it just kind of like expanded from there. Yeah. And it's just a matter of like getting on stage and doing your thing and letting people know that like you're committed and they'll see it. So how, how did you get started with that? Like what did, what, what was, uh, what's your first show experience? Oh man. Oh Jesus. Uh, first show I went to. Your first show you ever played the first one you ever played. First show I ever played. Well, I had a bit of a false start. So I was supposed to play a show and it didn't happen. It's kind of a complicated story, but, um, I was in a punk band. Um, my last year of high school, uh, yeah, it's complicated. I don't want to get too deep into it, but my dad passed away when I was 18. Okay. And I ended up dropping out of high school because I had already graduated and I just didn't have the, <laughs> I didn't have the focus for school. I was worried about other shit. And uh, so I ended up dropping out and uh, ended up playing drums in a punk band. There was this guy that I knew. He played drums and he was getting real wild. Uh, shout out to Jesse Andrews. He's fucking one of the real ones. Um, and he wanted, he had some shit to say. And we knew a friend who had, who played guitar and we got a buddy that was going to play bass. And he was like, and I was like, Oh, so you're going to play drums. He's like, no, I want to sing. I want you to play drums. And I was like, I don't know how to play drums. He's like, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) So, so we ended up practicing in this church and, uh, cause his, uh, his dad was a minister and, uh, that didn't last forever. Um, some stuff got broken and we weren't allowed to do that anymore. And I believe there was one, there was definitely one youth group that started with um, killing in the name being blasted at full volume because I didn't take my CD out and I pressed pause. Um, I I think we were disallowed from continuing there, Um, but I was trying to learn killing in the name. So anyway, I practiced with these guys. And uh, we had a, our, our band was named Endangered Feces. <laughs> and, uh, I love it. That's so punk rock. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so we started playing. Uh, we played 
in front of our friends and stuff. And they were like, yeah, I fucking love it. Yeah, this is fucking amazing. And so we set up, uh, there was a local punk show in Newmarket that we were going to go to. Um, and then my family decided to move, uh, my mom and sister. And uh, I, you know, at the last minute, I kind of decided that I was going to go with them and uh, quit the band. But I didn't expect to stick around. And then my mom was like, yeah, we're moving in a month. And I was like, in a month? I already quit the band. So I ended up going to the show and watching their new drummer um, struggle because he only had two weeks practice. Um, but yeah, that was a little disappointing. And then I didn't touch drums again until I was 27. Wow. Wow. Okay, cool. I mean, that that's, yeah. that's crazy. So why, why the big gap? Like you just kind of just doing your own thing, um, figuring shit out. I couldn't afford a kit. Um, and I too, had yeah. too many small places and too many roommates. Um, yeah, yeah, so that. it just didn't happen. And then when I was 27, so I had this job where I was basically spending four hours a day traveling to and from work, um, like two hours there, two hours back. And so I would just sit on the bus and practice drums. I started getting into Lamb of God and Mastodon and all the real heavy shit and, um, learning double kick. And so I would practice drums on the, on the, on the bus for two hours there and back. And then I, one day we were playing tool on the radio while we were working and I was tapping away on the table. And, uh, one of the guys, there was a guitarist and he was like, Hey man, you got pretty good rhythm. My drummer just quit. You want to audition? We already have a drum kit. And I was like, oh, wow. I sure, you know, and, uh, no, sorry. I'm, I'm skipping ahead. One of the cooks played guitar and he had a drum kit as well. And he was like, you want to jam sometime? Cause we were talking about the Mars Volta. Oh, beautiful. And- One of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah, same, same. And also with Midian. And uh, so uh, he happened to live down the street from me, also like two hour drive away. So uh, I went over to his place and we jammed a few times and I, I sat down behind a kit and he started playing and I just like put my foot on the kick and I grabbed the sticks and I started playing and I was like, I don't know how to describe it, but I felt like I was home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, amazing, man. Yeah. And I, you know, like probably like six months later, I bought a drum kit. And this guitarist was like, hey, my band is, you know, auditioning for a drummer. I was like, hell yeah, I'm in. So I pra- I, I went for the audition. I didn't think I'd get it. I thought I'd be like, you know, play in front of these guys and then see what I need to work on. And then maybe I'll get the next audition. But they like me and the rest is hit. I've been playing in bands ever since. Oh, that's amazing, man. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been about 11 years, 12 years, 12 years. Yeah. Uh, first show was Velvet Underground. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, and it was like, to play that... No, sorry. Oh, my God. I forgot. That was my second show. The first show was the Elma Combo. So the Elma Combo is a legendary venue in Toronto. Uh, the Rolling Stones used to play it famously. Uh, like, all the great bands that came through played the Elmo back in the day. And uh, this is before it changed management. Um it was kind of a struggling venue at the time, um, but there was a lot of showcases for local bands and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so we got there <laughs> and I asked, like, what am I supposed to bring? Because I'd never played a show. And they were like, oh, yeah, just bring your breakables. I was like, okay, so all the stuff that'll break. Cool. Sticks, kick pedal, uh, you know, cymbals. Uh, and I was like, anything else? They're like, yeah, your seat. I was like, cool. So I brought my seat. And then I get there and they're like, uh, okay, set up. And uh, I saw them taking the snare off uh, the stage and I was like, where's the snare? Like, where's our snare? And they were like, you got to bring your snare. And I was like, I did not bring my snare. 
so we asked the next band like the the band was going to play after us like hey can we borrow and the guy was like it's a custom kit i'm sorry man you can't and i was like fair <laughs> so i turned to the lead singer after like 15 minutes of frantically trying to figure out a solution to this problem wasn't going to happen so i went to the lead singer i was like what do i do and Corey, he, he goes show must go on it's like okay so i got on stage and like spent the 45 seconds i had after i set up my kit going okay uh so a rim shot on here will be a snare and then i can play the toms and we'll i just got to get through 20 minutes we'll see how it goes so i struggled through that set and after the first song like the bass player was like not bad not bad i was like okay i'll just keep it together finish the set and i was like that was a complete nightmare oh i <laughs> so embarrassed and I get off stage, unload all my shit, and then I go outside. I, I smoked at the time, so I went out for a cigarette. And uh, as I'm walking out the door, there's this guy. I think he was a bartender at the Elmo. He's, he's like leaning up against the door. And he goes, hey, man, fucking love that shit. Real tribal sound. That was badass, man. And I was like. Because <laughs> it's no toms. Yeah. And I was like, no one knows how to play this song. What do I care? No, 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 no one knows the difference. And like. Being in a band, like you're always the, your worst critic, right? It's like, oh fuck, yeah, fuck this part up, fuck this part. No one, no one knows. Nobody knows unless it's like horribly out of tune or like the worst, yeah. like like actual mistake where you stop. That's why, like a, a lot of like professional musicians and stuff, that that they'll all tell you the same thing. Like, just keep playing, just keep keep going, just own your mistake and just keep going. Mm -hmm. People are mm -hmm. there for the energy. Like, as long as you keep yeah. going and can keep that energy up. And yeah, especially if it's like just like dirty punk rock music, it's loud, it's it's raw, and it's supposed to be like that, right? Yep, yep. And I also learned that like I have an advantage as a drummer, where like the drummer kind of has the hardest job and the easiest job depending on how you look at it. So like if I fuck up like badly, everybody feels it. Crowd, the my my bandmates, yeah. everybody feels it. But if I fuck up a little bit and then I just keep going, everybody fills it in. Like, like I nailed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just have to make sure that I get my drum fills. Cause if you fuck those up, it's like people yeah. notice that. But if you're just playing the beat and like your foot slides on the kick pedal or something, and you know, as long as you carry on, everybody's going to fill it in to your benefit automatically. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta I, it doesn't that. work the same for other instruments though. Yeah. You're going to hit that one, the three and you're, you're like, if you stay in that pocket, anything else, you're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. But it's like, but yeah, it's like like the drummer and the bass player, man, are, are, are so important. Like, cause they, they create the entire groove and the, the, you know, I find with guitar, it's, um, if you really fuck up, you notice it a hundred percent, but it's like, especially when you're playing like really driving guitars or with lots of effects and things, except for delay, delay, you're going to hear your mistake over and over and over and over again. It's like, it's like you kind of, the foundation of the song to me is going to always be like the bass player and the drummer, right? That the rhythm section, right. that's going to create your foundation. It actually allows like guitar to kind of be a little more free. That's the way mm -hmm. I see it. So it's just kind of funny. People see it sort of slightly differently, but it's just, yeah. to me, it's like, if, if you're, the rhythm isn't on, if the drums aren't on, like a drummer will make or break any band. Yeah. I, I would say like, regardless of the style of music you're playing, your drummer has to be at least decent. Whereas the other instruments, you can be pretty bad and still kind of like make it through a battle of the bands. Yeah. You know what I mean? And get like second place or something.
But if your drummer sucks, everybody else has to be fucking amazing. Or yeah, it's not I mean, it almost doesn't even matter. You can have the most incredible guitar player in the world, the best singer ever. And I've seen bands like this, and the drummer just can't keep a beat. And you're just like, this sucks. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's almost like a shame. It's like, oh, bad. But I've seen bands that have like drummers are just monsters, and the guitar players and everything else is just like, it's okay. But then yeah. that drummer carries that band, and it's like, they're amazing live. Amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think drums are especially a live uh, experience. You know what I mean? Like, you you know, every recording, you know, you can't really have a song without drums. Obviously, it's like absolutely essential. But if the drummer's good, the recordings are cool. But live is like a fucking performance, man. It's amazing to watch yeah, a yeah. really good drummer play live. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. 100%. So how'd you start? Like, what was, uh, you know, your first instrument? I know you play multiples. So what was your first instrument, your first show, first, that kind of thing? first instrument was, was guitar. So um, it was actually a friend of our family. Um, he camped next to us at our old camp, and he found this old guitar at some yard sale, and he thought I would like it. He bought it for, like, 20 bucks or some shit like that. Um, and, uh, and he gave it to me, and I was, like, maybe 10. And uh, I played it for about two weeks and <laughs> put it away for a couple of years, just forgot about it. And then I kind of got into like music stuff. And then when I was like, like maybe about 12, 13, I like was with a buddy of mine, like, Oh, you have a guitar. And then we started playing it and uh, messing around with it. And then he got a guitar and we started like this God awful band. Just <laughs> like, it was the worst thing ever. Um, <laughs> Was that what you recall? The worst thing ever? No, no, no. We were called Insipid. So oh, okay. yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, 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 pretty good title, actually. Uh, yeah. Not match the music very well. We didn't know what the fuck we were doing. <laughs> and, uh, like we didn't even have like a proper drummer. We were just like, just we could take one of those old cassette things and like try to record our songs. And then, then eventually, um, eventually got a little bit better, got a little bit better. And then I remember I was in grade, I feel like I was in grade is it grade nine or grade 10? I don't remember. Actually, I think it was grade nine. And I was in this drafting class. And then uh, a really good buddy of mine named Charlie Berger, who he actually lives in Toronto now too. He's, a, he's in the, the local scene here. He's in a thousand bands. I can't remember all the bands he's in. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, he was just talking about like putting on this show. And we're like, oh, that's so cool. It's like, yeah, we're I'm starting a band. It was like me and, and, and like the drummer, my buddy Dave – we're like in this class and he's like, Oh, I'm playing, like, you guys want to play the show? And we're like, Oh, we don't have a bass player. And then this guy just randomly like, I'm a bass player. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Like, do you want to play in our band? And he's like, do you think you'll be ready in four weeks to play a show? He's like, yeah, man, let's do it. So we're like, oh, let's have a practice tomorrow night. Okay, cool. So we're like, yeah, we're in. So, um, this sounds like a movie. Yeah. This guy became one of my best friends. Uh, his name was, uh, uh Ray. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away like a few years ago. He got into oh, my condolences. It's really sad story, but I'll keep it a, a happy note right now. Um, we show up at his place, and he's like, "Oh yeah, dude, I got drums. I got everything that we need." We show up to his fucking place, and he's yeah, he's got drums, he's got a bass, and he's got an amp, and the fucking tags are still on this. He went home, and he's like, 
And he told me this later on. He's like, he went home. He's like, I made friends. They want to start a band. I need to buy equipment right now so I can make these friends. Because he, he came from like like Espanola, which is about an hour outside of Sudbury. And he was new to, to, to the actual town of Sudbury. And he didn't know anybody yet. Um, and anyway, so he... <laughs> he so he bought your friendship. This dude never touched a bass guitar in his life. He didn't know how to play I'll show you, I'll show you like our song that records. Like you just, just, just play. That's amazing. Chords. And then like, you know, uh, uh, we started getting that all together and then we like put together a decent set. It wasn't super tight. I mean, none of us were great yet. You know what I mean? But yeah. it was, uh, uh, but then, uh, so like I said, this guy was from Espanola and, uh, there's a backstory there. So I used to camp on Mantulan Island and I met these girls at Mantulan Island and uh, they kind of became friends and, and me and my friends would go there, we'd hang out with them or whatever. And uh, uh, anyway, so I guess there was another band playing from Espanola at the show. And I guess one of them was like one of their girlfriends or something like that. They did not like us. So we actually, they actually were like, threatening to like we're gonna beat you guys up while you guys are on stage so we're sitting there like oh my god we're about to get into a fight so i'm about to play the first show I ever played i think i'm about to get into a fight this freaking show i mean it didn't happen it was just dumb kids being dumb kids right <laughs> yeah and it was yeah yeah we ended up playing this show and it was uh i was i was absolutely shitting bricks because I was like the guitar player and singer and I'd never done that before in front of people. And this was like my dream to play this show, a show. And, and, uh, and it, the set went, went, went pretty decently, actually. It went, it went a lot better than I thought it was going to go. And then that band was called guilty by association. And it oh, was like, cool. like a political punk rock band. Well, as political as you can be, when you're 14, you don't know anything. Basically, <laughs> kind of copy propaganda. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, fuck you, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> fuck the government. I, I don't really understand what the government does, but fuck it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you do all the bad stuff, things. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah so totally. maybe you can you explain because it's hard for me to explain it to people that don't that haven't done it. Maybe you can do it justice. Can you explain why you feel terrified when you get on stage, but somehow it's the best feeling in the world? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how to explain that. It's like, even now, like, I mean, I haven't played a show in about, like, since, since like, a, cu a couple of years before the pandemic hit. My, the band I was in kind of broke up and I started a new band and then the pandemic hit and then I moved. So, like, I haven't had a proper band in a while. Um, but even now when I play show and I've played, I mean, I've done tours, I've done tons of shows, but every single one, I'm always like, got that pit in your stomach. It's like this adrenaline. It's like, it's like nervous energy. It's not really that you're scared. I don't know if this is resonates with you. It's like, you're not scared, no. but, but you've got this nervous energy. And then when it releases, when you're playing, I don't know if it's like this for you, but for me, when I'm playing, it'll all of a sudden be like, wait, what? we're playing our last song. Why are we playing the last song? I was like, yeah, we played all the songs. Like I almost, it's almost like a blackout thing. I don't know what's happening when I'm up there. And, and, sure. and it's just kind of, it's, I'm trying to 
damn, what about this? It's almost like doing like a drug or something. It's like, the, the, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's almost like that. It's almost like you're kind of yeah. fucked up on something. And it, I've said for years that it's the best drug in the world. Yeah, yeah, it 100% is. And like, man, yeah. like the last like about year or so, like since things have opened up and I've been getting to go to shows, like, I mean, that's how I met you. It was at one of your shows. And like, I love it. I love being back in that environment. But every time I see people up there, I'm like, you know, there's, there's definitely a part of me that's jealous. Like, oh, fuck these guys. I want to fucking play a show. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, totally. Do you have any plans in that direction? Because you, you have a project that you're working on right now. Are there are there shows in the future? Um, well, I need to I need to put together a band first. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's where I'm at. Like, We've discussed uh, this uh, off podcast uh, yes, slightly yes, as absolutely. well. Absolutely. But uh, basically, since uh, um, since my pre last band broke up, which was uh, called Hello Holiday, um, I start I, I joined a band with some of my really good friends called C Perry and and. Uh, really really fun stuff it's it's really like it's the most pop band i've ever been a part of is like super like super pop but it's it's just the guys in the band are some of my best friends on the planet and like it, it's really fun but the thing is is me and the singer live here so so my singer chris he lives in burlington and the rest of the guys are in sudbury so it's it's kind of more like this long distance kind of working on stuff um, over the summer was really lucky. We got to, uh, um, I don't know how they hooked this up. It was our drummer that hooked it up. Uh, uh, he started talking to Greg Norrie. So you guys familiar with who Greg Norrie is? It rings a bell for sure. You remember Trouble Charger? Ah, yes. Yeah, Trouble Charger. He also produced all Sum 41 stuff. And, right. uh, and he is producing is producing an album for us. So we got to go, he is in Sault Ste. Marie now. That's where he's originally from. And he, yeah. I guess he works for the university out there and they built him a fucking studio guys. This guy's a studio. It's like the mixing boards. He's got a Neve console. I don't know if you guys are like nerds for for recording gear at all. Not yet, but I'm, I'm growing into it. Look into Neve consoles. These things are the best. Like this is the shit that like, like, Nirvana Nevermind was mixed on a Neve console. You know what I mean? Like the Beatles right. were mixed on a Neve console. Like this is like legendary. And so he has this like $500,000 console and that's just the console that he has and plus everything else. It, it was a really cool experience. Uh, unfortunately, um, he was still setting it up and testing things when we were there. He's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to record it. He got there and then there was a bunch of problems so we weren't able to actually lay anything down but he was helping us like with some writing and, and some stuff and and uh and there's a couple songs that that they they were working on that i had not been working on with them and uh so i was kind of in there learning songs about to record them it was it was a crazy experience we got to stay at greg nori's camp his cottage he just like let us stay there he doesn't really know us he's just like here just stay at my cottage use my jet ski use all my shit he's the coolest dude ever man guy's- yeah this guy's kind of like music lo- uh, royalty in uh in ontario in particular and in the toronto scene like the gta scene the greater toronto area scene like he's done a lot for local bands in the area he's helped put a lot of them on the map and give them opportunities in studios and that kind of yeah, stuff yeah, like- he's he's just that type of dude man he's just that yeah. type of dude and like you know I've, I've heard really amazing things about him like a, a really good buddy of like mine like uh, uh i would say really really good but like 
back in Sudbury, there's this band called Far From Heroes. So, so one of my best best friends in the entire world, his name's Jer. He was in this band, and then and one of my other really good friends, Jay, was in that band, and they got ended up getting signed to Sony Records, and uh, they were doing some shit. But then, um, you know, things happened, deals fell through, didn't end up going through the way they wanted. But uh, Theo is a drummer, and he he's been doing amazing things down here. He like does a lot of studio drumming. And anyway, he started, started a band uh, um, called the organ thieves. It was with, uh, um, what's his name? One of the guys from, from some 41, like Brown sound or whatever they call them. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know his actual name, but anyway, like right. Nori was producing this band. That and, is his uh, name. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's not his actual name. <laughs> no, probably not. No. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah. So then he was telling me like, "Oh, yeah, Greg's awesome." Like, because I was doing a little like, like when I was about to work with this guy. Like, I don't know this guy. Like, what's what's his deal? So I actually asked Theo. He's like, "Oh no, he's he's a good dude." Like, like okay, cool. Like, very cool, very cool. Yeah. So uh, when we first met, you told me kind of like a like a a hidden history kind of story. Um, when no use for a name came to oh dude town. yeah 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 so like I was wondering if you could tell that story yeah yeah so so got to play with this like no use for a name so if you guys like you know anyone doesn't know they're a legendary like punk rock band like they're a fat were they epitaph or fat band I think they're a fat band eh fat records I'm not sure oh, yeah I don't remember I'm not sure which one and one of them, I mean I think you might be right about anything so it's like um, yeah. Anyway, they, they came through and the, uh, their guitar player, his name's uh, Chris Shiflett, and uh, anyone who knows anything about the Foo Fighters knows yeah. that that's the guitar player for <laughs> Foo Fighters. And I got to t- I got to talk to all the bands and stuff like because you know it was just you know part of the perks of putting on all these shows you get to have conversations. And uh, I remember him saying like, "Oh yeah, yeah, like I, I might be trying out for the Foo Fighters." Is like he's like he was really nervous about it and he's like wasn't sure what to do. And it's just like fuck. He's like. That's the most fucking incredible thing. I mean, that's fucking Dave Grawl, dude. Like, dude. Yeah, yeah. So I was, it wasn't long after that tour. I think that was the last tour he ever did with that band with No Use for Name. And he went and joined the Foo Fighters after. And apparently, yeah. from what I understand, they just had this open call. And they just like thousands of guitar players showed up. And he's the one that got, got the gig. I mean, the dude played in legendary punk rock bands and was like, fucking that dude rips, man. He's such a good guitar player. Yeah. You know, yeah, I yeah, all his own stuff too now. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, he's doing all his own stuff now. That's right. I haven't yeah, really heard what's going on. Have you guys listened to it? I haven't. I have not listened to his stuff. <laughs> I, 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 I want to say that I might have checked it out at one point, and like something that I checked out sounded a little more country than I usually care for. Oh, uh, okay, okay. But I also could be wrong Sorry, about Chris. that. Chris, we think you're great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're watching, <laughs> yeah. If you're watching. <laughs> You're watching my old buddy Chris, man, my best friend. Matter of fact, there's a lot of music out there. What are you gonna do? Come on, <laughs> we can talk about it. That's always something that I wonder about. Like, there you, you meet go. All these people sometimes, especially if you're putting on shows, like you, you meet tons of people, and I wonder like how much they remember. Like mm. one of the the nicest band I've ever met, like by far, Monine. Those guys oh, yeah. are the fucking sweetest dudes you'll ever meet in your life. Like, just amazing guys. Amazing, amazing guys. Yeah, like, incredibly talented musicians, too. Oh, like, my God. Yeah, yeah. So like, like, I remember the first time I saw them play in Sudbury. Their, their EP had just come out, like, before they, they put out their first full length. And uh, 
Hold on one second. Vader, my dog is whining. Come here. No problem. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, um, okay. yeah, yeah. I just watching them play, I was just like, oh shit, I got, I got to level up my game because these guys are just like they were doing shit that like I'd ever heard anything like that before. Like that, like on that topic, best show you ever put on in terms of like the 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 talent and the you know the order of bands and like crowd turnout, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't know if this is like the biggest one, but the best one to me is, is we used to always yeah. do what was uh, called the small man tour. So, so back in the day, there's like, actually Monine was on this record label called small man. And uh, they also had this other band called choke. I don't know if you guys have ever heard choke. I don't think I listened to choke. So choke was this really crazy, super technical, mathy punk rock band. Like they were really fucking dope really fucking cool band cool. and there's another band called layaway plan it was always the three of them they always went on tour and we used to always do this the small man tour and i remember this one show we did this venue the place was packed and it was uh, uh it was just just such a awesome fucking vibe and uh my amp broke midway through it like just stopped working and then i remember the guitar player from choke comes up it's like just use my amp man he just plugs it in it's like i'm like Fuck! I'm using choke sample right now. That's fucking dope. Like it just that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that one was yeah. There was something special about that show. It you can just crazy. picture another band going up and like kicking their amp and like smashing it a little bit. It's like, <laughs> please don't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Either that one or, or another one. I didn't put this show on though, but I remember playing a show with Attack and Black, and mm. uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Toronto. Yeah, like fucking amazing they were so freaking good they put on such an amazing show and just we're in this like venue it was like and it was like a little it wasn't that like i mean talk about what i guess it was a long time ago now i mean because as you get older freaking years just it seems like oh that yeah, was that was fucking like 15 years ago like what the hell um yeah um but i remember it was like far enough out that it kind of felt like an old school Sudbury punk rock show where it was like just a packed venue and it just the vibes were just so amazing and and then getting to play with this band that was like one of my favorite bands at the time it was it's just really fucking cool yeah awesome. very cool very cool and do you feel pressure when you play for a band that um like you admire like do you consider it a privilege or do you consider it like a like a responsibility or like what do you mean like like uh, uh like there, there have been times when I've played on, um, on, on, on stages with people where I know the person following me is going to blow me out of the fucking water. And I, the only thing I can equate it to is when I hear people like stand up comics talking about like, you know, opening for someone who they know is just going to, you know, murder. There's this like, do I do my best material or do I just dial back because they got, they're going to carry it or like, you know what I mean? For I me, always feel like I have to I have to set 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 a good example, but yeah. I feel a little pressure. For me, it's like yeah, there's a bit of that pressure. Um, I don't know. It's just because because of like the fact that like I, I used to put on all these shows and play all these shows, so like I kind of grew up playing with bands that I kind of idolized. Like I got used to doing that, and it's just a weird privilege. And I, the more I think about it, the more I'm like. That, that's not everyone gets to do that like that that's yeah. actually pretty fucking cool and that's one of the benefits from being in that smaller town where it's like 
you know, there, there's only a handful of bands that could play with, you know what I mean? Um, I, I find I just tend to just want to just always like, just do my thing. Right. Just, just go up there and just mm. do the best thing I could do. Cause like, you know what the coolest thing is for, for an audience member is when you get to watch, you go there to watch one band and you see another band, you're like, that band was fucking cool too. Yeah. Like that's a, 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 for me being an audience member, when I go to a show and I see something I've never heard of before and I get to like, Oh shit, that was amazing. And like, sometimes I'll talk about that band more than the band <laughs> I want to, to, to see. Cause it's like, like, you know, you discovered something new and, and, and so if anything, yeah, I, I used to get I, mad at my friends back in the day. Like if they were like, Oh yeah, well, you know, the band we're going to see, it comes on at nine. I'm like, don't no 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 we're seeing the openers man like we don't know if these guys are going to be headlining next year they may be fucking amazing we got to find out you know i, I really fun, i have actually a story about that so so i played this show this random show it was at like laurentian university it was like some frosh thing but it was like it was a complete bust it was like there was like 20 people there like this band called two hours traffic played and we played afterwards and then mm. uh then within three four months like they have just released an album and and uh what's his name joel plaskett or whatever produced it mm -hmm. and uh, no one knew who they were when they came here they were going like all the way out west all the way back kind of thing and then they played the townhouse on the way back by the time they got back to sudbury they had blown up they had sold out the venue like people were like angry that they couldn't get tickets like it was like wow and it was like it was insane. It was freaking insane. Like you're absolutely right. You don't know. It's like we're just That's some like the random band playing some shitty show, like that was opening for us, and then all of a sudden we opened for them, and they they just sold out the entire freaking venue, and it was like fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Amazing. I like being there in the moment. Must have been wild too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a, a crazy thing to see like it happen that fast. But I mean, like as they were touring the release started doing the circuit and started getting radio play and started getting like, they had all their ducks in a row for all that stuff, obviously right. they had a plan. So maybe it wasn't a super shock to them that it was going to get bigger, but it, it mm -hmm. yeah, they're really, they're a really cool kind of like pop indie rock kind of band. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them, but they're, they're, they're a lot of fun. Very cool. So like, you know, you just mentioned having a plan. So I was wondering if you could give like, for the for the local musician that's trying to do more than just open for another band like what what suggestions would you make for ground floor shit that they can do to like start getting more venue recognition and start building a network yeah yeah so i i think it's just relationships man and like that that's like you know yeah. and I, I, things might work differently in, in, a, in a city like toronto's versus like a smaller city too right because you know obviously I, I haven't figured it out here yet but I feel mm -hmm. like the same sort of things apply. It's like, like it's, it's building a network, get to meet, like meet all the other cool bands that are doing cool stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Meet like, be, just be friends with people and show up to other people's shows and just start just yeah. making yourself known, start going to the venues all the time. And then you'll end up figuring out, okay, this promoter does this kind of stuff. This promoter does this kind of stuff, you know, start talking to those people and, and before, ask them if you could help them with anything. Like there's all, all kinds of little things you could do. And I feel like that that's the way to do it, man. And it's like, I think, especially in a big city, like, like Toronto. And like, we kind of talked about this too. Like the first time we met, but like, yeah, like you need to like build a community. That's, that's what it is. You need to build a community. Mm -hmm. If the community is not there, or if you feel like it's not there, then, then be the one to start building it. Just start making those connections. That's, 
I, I, that's my theory anyway. So that's what we're trying to do with this podcast too. It's a, yeah, it's a, we're trying to build something around it and we'd love to have mm-hmm. people showing up in the comments every week that we can share and yes, with people that are watching just as much as the people that we're talking to. It's, that's the dream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've always, I've always felt like, um, you know, when I go to a, when I go to a punk show in particular and, uh, that genre specifically if there isn't uh you know you got to have at least 10 10 to 12 people to make it an actual punk show other than the band because there's got to be some energy there and if it's just two two people banging their heads that's okay for a bit but it doesn't it feels like um it it feels like it's not fully realized until there's a bunch of people throwing elbows you know what i mean yeah yeah Um, absolutely yeah, and it seems like there's a critical mass. Maybe you can speak to this. I don't know, because you kind of started in a scene. I didn't really have that opportunity. I was kind of like fits and starts at various stages. And and uh, as you've seen, Toronto has a pretty fragmented um, music scene at the moment. Yeah. Um, like relative to other small towns that, uh, you know, the experience I've had in small towns. So, um, you know, is there like a critical mass that just suddenly there's an explosion or does it start with existing communities coming together for music or does it start with the music? Like, how do you, how do you think it, it develops? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's an interesting question because like, again, I was super lucky to be like, get into something, get into a scene that already existed. Right. So like, I cannot mm. take by any means credit for building that. So like, uh, um, I think like when it's something like fragmented, like, like, like in Toronto, I think it's just about like, just building that, building the community. You gotta, you gotta build it. You gotta build like a way for people to, to know about things. You gotta make people excited about it. And like, you know, the, I think the, the biggest problem with the city, like, like a bigger city like this is, is that there's just so much to do here. There's so many options. So it's mm-hmm. like, like oh, I don't know if I want to do that or like, you know, I'll go see you next time or whatever. So, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm not entirely sure how, how, how to fix that, but like, hmm. I feel like just things like well, what you guys are doing here with this podcast, it's amazing. It's, it's a really cool thing. And, and I think like, there needs to be more things like this. And like, you know, maybe there, there's back in the day, I remember creating a website uh, and we'll actually start off on, uh, do you guys remember Merck? M- no. IRC. It was before ICQ. It was like a chat. Oh, I remember MIRC. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I remember. I did a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons on MIRC for a bit. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I was at a buddy's place, and he's like, he showed me this thing. He's like, like, oh, we should make like a punk, uh, um, a channel for for the Sudbury scene. I'm just like, yeah, we should just call it Punk Sud. I I was completely joking. He's like, that's wicked, and he did that, and then that whole name became a thing for years and like someone ended up building a whole website it was called punksa it was punksa.com it was a forum people would be like oh, check out my music oh i'm uh, looking for band members like like oh check out these shows it used to be like kind of a website that you could just go you can see a calendar these are all the shows coming up and like mm-hmm. it, was, it just kind of took on a life of its own and and then i feel like like something like that and i don't know if toronto has something like that right now like like an actual like place you could just go and find out everything like what a local band's doing right now yeah i think the challenge with toronto in particular is that there's a bunch of people trying to do that all at once and they're actually trying to compete with each other 
instead of collaborate. Yeah. It feels yeah, like yeah. everybody wants to be top dog. And I feel like they don't understand how dogs work. You know what I mean? Is yeah, it for like ad revenue and stuff? Or is it because they really want to be like big? Well, on kind of the downside of Toronto is that um, we have a reputation for having a killer music scene. Um, but unfortunately there's been a disconnection that's happened in the past couple of years between the venues and the music creators. And now it's, it's sort of like, a like there's con kind of constant trolls guarding all the bridges and, um, similar to the gatekeeping that Jason was talking about at the beginning, it's kind of evolved so that rather than having that for publication, now you have that to get on a stage. And it's kind of shifted the responsibility of like who's supposed to do what. So bands kind of have to do everything. And it becomes a challenge to like keep all those balls in the air because most of the bands don't feel like there's a community to support them. And I think they're misguided in that. I think as you, as you said, Jason, like if you go to the shows and you meet the bands and you get to know the sound people and the bartenders, like, and like yeah. make yourself know there is a way to build the community. I think everybody's expecting the community to already exist and they're not yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, like, could you imagine, like, you know how many bands there are in Toronto right now? Could you imagine if like there's a punk rock show and like one person from every punk rock band tried to show up to that show? That's you a full house. Crazy the scene would be if that if that yeah. was happening. Yeah, yeah you and do that like, three days a week and you've got a scene. Exactly. Like, like, you know, like yep. you, you do that, like if you go to one show a week and everyone goes to one show a week or whatever. And then like, you know, it, it, it's, it's just, you just have to, you just have to show up and then, and then you could create it. It's, it's like actually pretty simple to do, but it's just, how do we get people to do that? That that's right. Yeah. You, know, you can't force people to do it. You can't I think too, like we had a lot of that in Chicago, like in the late nineties, early two thousands, but then everybody got older. And so it's harder because you got yeah. families and all that. One hundred percent. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and I totally, I totally get that. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I, I was there at one point too. You know, like I, I used to be married and whatever, and I've, I've, I've got a daughter, but like, you know, co-parenting, so I get like time, time for myself too, which is, uh, uh, it's kind of nice. But can relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I totally empathize with people that like, you know, they don't always have time to go, but. But even like, if you find like once a month to go check out your local the local punk rock show, if everyone did that, like, yeah. yeah. I also feel like maybe um, you know my experience of of various people, particularly venue owners, is that they they have a in Toronto. I'm talking about um, they they have a feeling like. Um, like there, there's money owed to them. And I don't feel like a scene can actually develop with that sort of mentality. Yeah, at the yeah. Outset. It's like, if you don't have the creative work happening, then you don't have the, the, the resources. And the only way the creative work happens is if you have a place where people gather and they work on it together and you have to let bands suck on stage. This is something we talked about last week. It's like, you gotta have shitty bands that suck, turn into good bands. Yeah, yeah. You got to give them a place to suck, and then and there, no one there, wants to do ways, that. Drunk. There's ways to do that, man. There's there's ways to do that. You yeah. can have like a Wednesday night showcase kind of thing, up and coming bands, something mm -hmm. like that. And uh, um, 
yeah, yeah. So that that's definitely uh, it's definitely possible, man. I think it's possible. But yeah, I, I do know what you're saying. It's like you know the the venues sometimes, and I've played enough shows in Toronto to to know exactly what we're talking about. Where it's like mm-hmm. everyone's expected to bring a certain amount of people, and like you have to go and promote your own the show. The venue's not really doing the promotion for you, and uh, unless it's like there's a couple exceptions, like there's places like uh, well, like the Horseshoe. Horseshoe seems like it's like there's an automatic audience there. Just people go to the Horseshoe. Yes. Like, Let's go to the Horseshoe. It's just the local place to go. If there happens to be something cool playing, we'll go check it out. Like. But not right. most venues aren't like that. That's something I've heard that most actually aren't. So it's, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know how exactly to do that, but it, there's got to be a way to just, especially with active bands. When you're an active yeah. band and you're trying to do something, I think the best thing to do for not only yourself but like the scene and and other bands, everything is just go to as many shows as you can. You go to yep. as many shows as you can, and uh, guess what? What's going to happen is like you know, bands pay attention to that stuff. If you guy keeps showing up to your mm-hmm. your, your shows, like they're probably going to come to your shows after, and then that's how that's how it starts. Yeah, you know? I also think that like um, especially for younger bands, I know I had this experience when I was younger. Was like I was expecting other people to set up shows, and it was about a year in that I realized like if you're going to do this, you got to fucking do it. So I set up a show and it actually went great. And I like, my lesson was like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And I, and I was able to pull this off. So like, what are we waiting for? Let's just do this shit. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that may be the lesson for, for Toronto musicians that are struggling to find a stage is like, get some friends, get two or three bands together that, you know, will play a show together and then just start reaching out to venues and just like, don't ask tell you know just be like i am available we can do wednesday thursday whatever you know and like give them some parameters if you take jason's advice then you know the people that you need to be reaching out to at those venues bingo yeah yeah it's a a nice solution there yeah bingo all right i think we solved all the music problems in toronto so (laughs) you're welcome toronto (laughs) (laughs) we'll see you at the next show Jason, thanks for joining us tonight, man. Yeah, of course. Um, you have anything you want to plug or any? Um... Nah, nah, it was just a good conversation. <laughs> right. Nice. Well, thanks, man. Jason is, Jason does run uh, Rebel Force Marketing. So if you need, you want to run through some of your things you do? Anything? It was a branding agency, web, web design, development, that kind of thing. Um, you know, that's pretty much it. It's kind of, kind of you know. I, I, I like I like ending it out more on just like talking about the scene yeah. and doing that okay. kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I, I like that. A cool, man. I'm, I'm always terrible at plugging my own stuff, so <laughs> I tried to force you, but it's okay. <laughs> um, cool. I'm gonna plug one thing uh, that's coming up next weekend. Our sponsor, Stupid Rad Merch, has a show their fifth, their sixth anniversary Saturday, uh, February 11th, at the very famous X-ray Arcade in Milwaukee. Um, and I will be there with some Muckspout comics and some cards representing Muckspout at a pop-up show or pop-up shop before the show. So I'm excited about that. Awesome. Um, That's going to be a hell of a show. Yeah, it is. And um, my band Mute Sounds is playing the legendary horseshoe. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. This was not planned um, uh, on February 9th, next Thursday. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you're not from Toronto, suck it. It's going to be a great show. Um, if you are from Toronto, you should definitely come out. 
uh, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Ben. It's always a pleasure. Always. (laughs) All right. Hey, you made it through an entire episode. Good for you. If you're looking for more, give the rest of the channel a look and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll catch you fuckers next time. Later. Muxbound.